Good morning, everyone. It's time for another edition of Transformation Radio. Lost are saved, find their way at the sound of your great name. All condemned, feel no shame at the sound of your great name. Your great name, hungry soul. 
time now for our reading from the New Testament. And today it comes from the book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 1 through 21. Here's an overview of some of what we'll be reading about in Scripture today here in the New Testament. The Passover commemorated the night the Israelites were freed from Egypt, back in Exodus chapter 12, when God passed over homes marked by the blood of a lamb while killing firstborn sons in unmarked homes. The day of Passover was followed by a seven-day festival called the Festival of Unleavened Bread. This, too, recalled the Israelites' quick escape from Egypt when they didn't have time to let their bread rise. So they baked it without yeast or leaven. On this holiday, Jewish families still gather for a special meal that includes lamb, wine, bitter herbs, and unleavened bread. Now the Jews were preparing to observe Passover, a time of remembrance for families to celebrate when the blood of lambs had saved their ancestors. But some of the religious leaders had another agenda. Jesus had disrupted their security, revealed their sham, and opposed their authority. Now they would put him away. But the world is controlled by our all-wise God, not puny politicians. God would turn the religious leader's murder plot into the greatest blessing that mankind would ever know. Another lamb would be slain, and his blood would save all people. When grief or disaster seem to be dominating, remember that your life is in God's hands, and remember what Jesus has already done for you. Now Bethany, we'll find out as we read here today in the New Testament, Bethany is located on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. Jerusalem is on the western side. This town was the home of Jesus' friends, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, who were also present at uh, this dinner that we'll read about. The woman who anointed Jesus' feet was Mary, Lazarus and Martha's sister. Matthew and Mark placed this event just before the Last Supper, while John placed it a week earlier, just before the triumphal entry. But uh, it must be remembered that the main purpose of the Gospel writers was not to present an exact chronological account of Christ's life, but to give an accurate record of His message. Matthew and Mark may have chosen to place this event here to contrast the complete devotion of Mary with the betrayal of Judas, the next big event in both these uh, Gospels. Now where Mark says, some of those at the table, John specifically mentions Judas. Judas's indignation over Mary's act of worship was based not on concern for the poor, but on greed. Now, because Judas was the treasurer of Jesus' ministry and had embezzled funds, he no doubt wanted the perfume sold so that he could benefit from the proceeds. It was often the practice to eat from a common bowl. We'll read about that here today, too. Meat or bread was dipped into a bowl filled with sauce often made from fruit. All right, with that, let's begin our reading here in the New Testament. March 8th, the New Testament, Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 21. It was now two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, 
A woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, Leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priests to arrange to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted when they heard why he had come, and they promised to give him money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So the two disciples went into the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. In the evening Jesus arrived with the twelve disciples. As they were at table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, Am I the one? He replied, it is one of you twelve who is eating from this bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him! It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Psalm 51, verses 1-19 through 19. David was truly sorry for his adultery with Bathsheba and for murdering her husband to cover it up. He knew that his actions had hurt many people. Ever notice how sex and violence go together? That is, illicit sex and violence. He committed adultery, and he ended up murdering. But because David repented of those sins, God mercifully forgave him. No sin is too great to be forgiven. Do you feel that you could never come close to God because you've done something terrible. God can and will forgive you of any sin. Your repentance must be deeply sincere. While God forgives us, however, He does not always erase the natural consequences of our sin. David's life and family were never the same as a result of what he had done. Never the same. Although um, David had sinned with Bathsheba, David said that he had sinned against God. When someone steals, murders, or slanders, it's against someone else, a victim. According to the world's standards, extramarital sex between two consenting adults is acceptable if nobody gets hurt. 
but people do get hurt. In David's case, a man was murdered and a baby died. All sin hurts us and others, but ultimately it offends God because sin in any form is rebellion against God's way of living. When you're tempted to do wrong, remember that you'll be sinning against God. That may help you avoid the danger. Psalm 51, verses 1 through 19. For the choir director, a psalm of David, regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 31 and 32. The mouth of the godly person gives wise advice, but the tongue that deceives will be cut off. The lips of the godly speak helpful words, but the mouth of the wicked speaks perverse words. Now how many of you all know that you need rivers to flow in you? Hallelujah. Touch somebody say, let the rivers flow.
leave, I'll take a drink from the well that won't run dry. I believe I'll take a drink from the well that given life. Thou only knew the gift of God and who it was that said to thee. Thou would have asked of him, give me drink, and he would give unto thee. I got a inside of me.
Good morning, this is Pastor Mike. I'll be reading Heaven on Earth, the one-year devotional, and today's title is Open Your Ears. Ezekiel chapter 2-1 says this, Stand up, son of man, said the voice, I want to speak with you. Ezekiel fell face down when he saw the glory of the Lord by the river Kabar. That's an appropriate and seemingly unavoidable reaction to the holy presence. But whenever someone encounters God, it seems he is told to get up and listen, according to Daniel chapter 10:11 and Revelations 1:17. Apparently, God prepares his servants with humility and then speaks to them with clarity. He requires their attention before he communicates. Many Christians don't realize that. We often assume that if God wants to speak to us, he knows our number. So we live life normally, thinking that hearing the voice of God is an uncommon phenomenon and only a few people with special assignments are likely to hear it. We consider clear direction as the exception rather than the rule. Perhaps God's words to Ezekiel are a clue to the contrary. Perhaps we don't hear God's voice as often as we like because we aren't ready to hear it. It's possible, in fact, to read our Bible, pray, and even ask God to guide us without ever really expecting Him to or trusting that we've actually heard Him. Or maybe we listen for His voice as one opinion among many, open to obeying it if we like how it sounds and ignoring it if we don't. The result is that we probably hear God often without actually hearing Him. Second-guessing every divine communication as a figment of our imagination or the product of psychological processes. Maybe we don't even know we hear Him because we haven't gotten up from humble reverence and stood with open ears. Develop a lifestyle of hearing. Spend time worshiping in His presence and then stand with expectancy. God always communicates with those who listen on His terms with a mind toward obedience. The person who thinks God might speak will probably not hear Him. Those who know that He will speak can trust what they hear. Johann Toller said this, In one short hour, you can learn more from him than you could learn from a man in a thousand years. I want to encourage everyone listening today that you can hear the voice of the Lord. That communication with God doesn't mean that we're always talking at God. Communication with God is meaning that we are talking with God. That's the, that's just not us speaking. That's us opening our ears and listening. So if we want to really hear from God, if we really want to know the voice of the Lord, it says this, and I read this already, but I want to read it one more time. God prepares His servants with humility and then speaks to them with clarity. He requires their attention before He communicates. 
Are we giving God our attention? Are we listening for the voice of the Lord? Are we seeing these scriptures? Are we reading these scriptures and we thinking that He might speak with us? I want to encourage you today that there is no might about it or maybe about God speaking to us. He does speak to us and He can speak to us. Open your ears for the voice of the Lord and pray that, to God and listen to God. Have a blessed and wonderful day. Yeah, isn't it amazing how a man can find himself alone? Calling to the darkness for an answer that he's never known. Yeah, isn't it amazing how God can take a broken man? Yeah, let him find a fortune, let him ruin it with his own two hands. And he climbs on up the hill on the rock on which he stands. He looks back at the crowd, he looks down at his hands and he says, I am a difference maker. Oh, I am a difference maker. Oh, I I've seen and I have felt the fire get 
but I'll buy too much gasoline. We're all strangers passing through a place in town. Afternoon, life is but a vision in a window that we're peeking through. Helpless conversation with a man who says he cares a lot. It's a passive confrontation about who might throw a punch or not. We are all transgressors, we're all sinners, we're all astronauts. So if you're beating death, then raise your hand, but shut up if you're not. Cause I am a difference maker, oh I am only one who speaks to him. And I am the friendliest of friends of God. This concludes today's broadcast. I pray that everyone who tuned in today was blessed by what they heard, and I hope you all have a wonderful day.